Hey, fam, I, I, don't, I don't know what your experience was growing up. I was raised in the church, um, but for a lot of my early life, I saw church as like a place that I went. So when I left church, somehow in my mind, I just kind of reasoned like when I left church, I left God, right? Like this is where he lived. And so I kind of lived in these like seven day cycles where I would kind of like come and visit God on Sundays. Then I would just go Monday through Saturday and go kind of live the, my life however I wanted to. And I would come back on Sunday and give him his respects, you know, and tip my hat and put, you know, as a four-year-old, you're like putting a quarter in the bucket and you're like, I am like a millionaire, you know? And that, so I just kind of lived in those seven day cycles. And it wasn't until I got a little bit older that I really began to realize like, come on guys, like this is not the church. Like we are the church. And I don't know what your experience is with church. I don't know what your thoughts are on church, but, but just kind of let me bring you up to speed today. Um, like like the, the programs are not the church. The, the organization isn't necessarily the church. The building isn't really the church. The church is the people of God who've been brought into the family of God through faith in Jesus. That's the big idea, okay? So the church is gathered, but also scattered, Right, come on, I, I like to think of it, we're like Waffle House hash browns. <laughs> so we gather together like in these sorts of moments, but then we also turn and we scatter and we live life with each other Monday through Saturday. Come on, guys. This shouldn't be the only time that, that you're with the family of God. This shouldn't be the only time you have expressions of faith in Christ. Um, and so we're gathered, but then we're also scattered. Why? Because church isn't just the place I go. Church is the family that I belong to. Right, so this is our reminder that this is not victory. We are victory. Come on, we are this church. That's the big idea. So we believe that it's important for everybody to know the heart and the DNA of the church family that you belong to. So today we are in what I would just call week three of our series that we've entitled We Are Victory. And we're spending a few weeks just talking about who we are, about what we're called to do, about how we're called to do it, and about where we are going as a church family. And it's all under this big idea that I want you, I want to invite you to make this part of who you are so that by the end of these few weeks, we'll actually be able to say together, like, we are victory. All right, I know not all of us can say that, but maybe some of us are slowly buying into this more and more and more as we go. Uh, but if you can say it with your heart, let's say this together, we are victory, okay? We are victory. So who is victory? Who is victory? Okay, the first week we tackled this big idea. What I would say is the most important part of who we are, here's how we said it, is that victory is a place and a people who are built on, directed by, and fueled through God in prayer. That we are a house of prayer. Everything we do uh, is motivated and fueled through prayer. That we love Jesus and are loved by Jesus in this place of prayer. We can mess up a lot of things, but one thing we're not going to mess up here at Victory is we have to be a people and a, and a house of prayer, okay? Here's the second thing that we talked about last week. We talked about not just who we are, but what we do. And here's how we phrase that is that victory is a place and a people who are dedicated to and guided by the vision God has given this church. So that's found in Acts uh, chapter one, verse eight, and we kind of try and put it in all the buildings that we can, but you see it up here on the walls that God has called this house to be a house that builds strong families, that transforms the communities wherever we find ourselves, that reconciles the cultures and impacts the nations. And so, so far we've talked about who we are, we've talked about what we do, and today we're gonna land on how we do what we do. All right? So if Montel was here. Yeah. <laughs> this is how we do it. 
Well, checks in the mail, Montel. All right. So here's how we say it for today, is that victory is a place and a people who embrace and embody the values. Everybody say values. Values God has called us to live out together, all right? So here's, let me just kind of bring you up to speed. All right, the values aren't what we do. The values are how we do what we do, all right? How many of you know, it doesn't just matter what you do, it matters how you do what you do. Okay, let me make it real because you're, you're not tracking with me yet. Okay, if you get an Uber, it doesn't just matter that you get to where you're going. It matters how you get to where you're going, right? I remember I, I took a taxi in Delhi, India. He got me where I was going. But dear God, I have never prayed like I prayed on that taxi ride. I had 12 heart attacks on the way. Now I know what an anxiety attack <laughs> You know, like it matters not just what you do, but how you do what you do. How many of you have ever had a great meal ruined by a terrible waiter? Come on, go there with me. The meal was fantastic, but the delivery of that meal ruined the whole experience. All right. How many of you know there's a difference between a good teacher and a bad teacher? Right? They can, be, they, they can be teaching exactly the same thing, but how they communicate it can determine whether or not you receive it. Why? Because delivery matters. The how matters, right? And our values are how we do what we do. So let me unpack it a little bit more, okay? So let's land in Acts 1-8 just for a second, because again, this is where victory gets its vision from. This is what we are all about is accomplishing the vision that God has given this house through Acts 1-8. So here it is, once again. Um, Jesus says this, last words of Jesus on earth, but you will receive power. We, you, we, the people of God, will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my what? witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So Jesus says that we are his witnesses. Okay, here's the question. What's a witness? Don't overcomplicate it. You're like, well, in the Greek, it's martyrs. Okay, yeah, yes, yes, we can unpack that later, okay? What's a witness? A witness is somebody who tells of what they've seen and what they've heard, what they've personally experienced. You're gonna see a car wreck. Police are gonna ask you, hey, what did you see? What did you hear? Don't make it up. But what did you see? What did you hear? All right. And so we're called to be witnesses of what we've seen, what we've heard, what we've personally experienced with Jesus. So I don't know about you. Um, I grew up, my parents, um, uh, you know, in, in that generation, I grew up watching what they watched. So I grew up watching a whole lot of lawyer shows. All right. I grew up watching black and white Perry Mason. Come on, somebody. I grew up watching Matlock. When Summer and I got married, we were all about come on. Law and order, right? Like we, we we watched Law and Order for years until like it just got too dark. Like we couldn't keep up with it. All right. But but in those shows, what does pretty much every case come down to? It comes down to a key witness. Right? And kind of how the story goes is depending on the testimony of that witness, it will make all the difference in that case. All right? But if you know how it goes, for a witness, listen, for a witness, their character matters. Right? Because what people really want to know is I know what you're saying, but does your life 
create a trust in me that I can believe what you're saying. So what does the, op- the opposing lawyer try to do? It tries to discredit the witness. I don't want you to listen to that witness. I'm going to assassinate the character of that witness. So they talk to the friends. They look on their social media page. They look at what they write on Twitter. They examine their lives. They try and poke holes in their lives. They try and find anything they can do to discredit the witness and make what they're saying unbelievable. Come on, guys. We see this happening all. Listen, listen, do we really need to say it? This is what we see in pretty much every race case that happens, right? See, you can't believe what they're saying because look at this picture of them. See, and what we try and do, the the, the problem is, the reason why people do it is because it works, And so what happens is we often don't connect that the outside makes people determine whether or not they can trust what's coming from the inside. And the reality is this, guys. Here, here, let's let's go there. Is that Jesus has said that we are his witnesses, all right? We're his witnesses. We're the ones who are called to tell us what we've seen, what we've heard, the glorious things that we've experienced in God, okay? And your testimony, God help us, your testimony may make all the difference in whether or not somebody actually comes to faith in Jesus, Okay, But at the same time, we have an enemy. We have an accuser. We have an opposing lawyer who's doing everything he can to discredit our witness, to get people to not believe the words that are coming out of our mouth because of what's proceeding from our life. And the problem is way too many Christians are making his job way too easy. We're being bad Uber drivers. We're being bad waiters. We're being bad teachers, right? That what we say may be great, but how we are living is sabotaging the witness. Here's how I'd say it, guys. For too many of us, our character doesn't match our content. And our content doesn't match our character. Our lives don't match our words. Here's how Paul says it in 2 Corinthians 2. He says, your very lives are a letter that anyone can read just by looking at you. Christ himself wrote it, not with ink, but with God's living spirit, not chiseled into stone, but carved into human lives. And now we publish it. Oh, I love that. What what he's saying is, guys, you're God's letter. Listen, the way you live, who you are, the face you present, what you do in this world, that is is the, the living testimony, the witness of what God has done in your life. You are a letter written by God that the world can read. Maybe you've heard it said like this before, is the truth is you may be the closest thing to a Bible that anybody ever reads, your life. So how you live matters. And God wants our content to match our character and our character to match our content. And at Victory, listen, God has called us as a family to embrace and embody certain values that shape and form how we do what we do. Because ultimately, our values create what I would just say is the culture and the feel of our lives, right? Like your, your, your values are what create the atmosphere of what it's like to be on the other side of you. You ever ask that question? What's it like to be on the other side of me? How do people leave experiences with me and encounters with me? That's a really, because here's, we love blaming everybody else, don't we? I've known guys before where it's like, oh, everybody, everybody's a terrible person. I, I, everybody's offended at me. I can't believe it. Well, there's one consistent person in every single story you've ever found yourself in, and I tried to help this guy for years, and God bless him, all right? But, but what our values do, they, they shape and form what it feels like to be on the other side of us. Let me say it one more way, okay? There are 
thousand different restaurants that serve chicken. Take the name off and go and eat at that restaurant. And I guarantee you, you're going to know which one is Chick-fil-A. Right? Come on. How I say it is the Lord's chicken. So therefore it's the Lord's calories. He can do with it as he wills. Right? No, because most, most restaurants you go in and they're like, what do you want? What do you want? And you, it's like, they're doing you a favor by existing. Right? But you walk in Chick-fil-A and they're like, how may I serve you, honey baby? Like, oh, I have this and this. Okay. Hey, thank you. My pleasure. <laughs> Why? Because it's all about their values. It's all about their values. In fact, if you go to their website, their first value is we're here to serve. That's their first value is we're here to serve. So therefore, they embody that value by saying, how may I serve you? Okay, here's the deal. I'm not promoting Chick-fil-A today. What I'm saying is this. There's a whole lot of organizations that put their values up on the wall, but they don't embody them and live them out so they're not real. And we're called for our content to match our character. And so here at Victory, okay, we've got what I would just say is five values that God has called us to corporately live out. They're all equally important. Okay, and this is gonna make some of you really happy. They're an acrostic. So if you're an acrostic nerd, you're about to be really happy. Okay, it makes it a little bit more memorable, okay? This is how God gave it to us as we wrote it out, okay? And again, this isn't what we do. It's how we do what we do. So what's the first value of the family here at Victory? Here's the first one, being courageous, courageous. How many of you know what the world needs now is more courageous people, right? We live in a cancel culture, hypersensitive, politically correct social media driven rage sort of culture. And so a lot of people are like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, I didn't mean to, did I think? Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I saw somebody else this morning apologizing for something you shouldn't have to apologize for. But everybody's like walking on, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Nobody has any courage anymore. Everybody's afraid of getting canceled. Okay, but the Lord tells us this, all right? Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. One of the things I love about God is he commands us to be courageous, right? Why are we courageous? Okay, it says it right there. Because the Lord our God will be with us wherever we go. Listen, if you're going by yourself, you should be terrified, But if the God of all creation has told you what to do and you go and do it, listen, no weapon formed against you will prosper. Those who are for you are greater than those who are against you. You're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Come on, we need to be a courageous people. Don't you just love courageous people? I I did not know really what courage was until I came here to victory in 98. And I, I saw the courage. I saw the courage of Pastor Dennis and Colleen. How many of you know? It takes courage to plant a multicultural church in a white county in 1990 in the the epicenter of racial divide in our nation. It takes some courage to be able to do that. But listen, if God says to do it, just go do it. Why are we debating it? Why are we sitting back and having a conversation about it? If God has told us to go, we need to go. 
And listen, I'm not, I'm not tooting my own horn, but looking back at my life, last year, right around this time, um, me releasing that God dream of the, of, the, of the call of God on this house to reach a million people in the name of Jesus, that was one of the most courageous things I ever had to do. Why, 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 why? Because it doesn't take any courage to stand on the shore. Listen, everybody's brave on the shore. Everybody's talking about what they're gonna go do and what they're gonna accomplish. And it's just all, it's all words. It's not any life. Everybody's courageous on the shore. That's not courageous. That's just comfortable. A lot of us are calling courage what's really just comfort, what's really safety. Everything's safe when you have the ground underneath you. But listen, if God has called you out into the deep waters where he is, one of the most courageous things you can do is do what he says to do and say what he says to say, knowing full well that if God does not come through, you are gonna fall flat on your face and look like an idiot. That is what courage is. And so God has called this house to be a house of courage, a courageous house of courageous people. Again, not our services, listen to courageous people. He's called us to preach what needs to be preached to do what needs to be done, to say what needs to be said, to give what needs to be given, to, to lead where we need to go, come on, to, 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 to say what needs to be said, to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Why? Because he said to do it, to preach the good news and let the results fall in God's hands. Why? Because he said to do it. Some of you, God told you to start a business. It's time to do it. Why? Because he told you to do it. You're sitting there trying to have positives and negative columns and do, 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 math and do, do. thank God for wisdom. But never let wisdom convince you out of courage to do what God has called you to do. Because if he's called you to do it, he'll make a way for you to do it. And one of our things, guys, it needs to be, God, no matter what it costs me, I'm gonna go your way. Because listen, again, if God has called you out, he'll make a way for you to do what he's called you to do. Listen, if, you, if God tells you to go right and you go left, now the results are in your hands. It's, you have to use your strength to see it come to pass. But if God called you to go right and it doesn't make any sense and all the provision is over here, but you know in your bones that God called you to go this way, you go this way and now the results are in God's hands, right? It doesn't make any sense to march around Jericho for the walls to fall down. But now the results were in God's hands because they did it God's way. We're called to be a courageous people. We're called to be a people who do what God says to do and say what needs to be said and let the results fall in his hands right? In the midst of a cancel culture world, can we be the people who grab a sling and a stone and walk onto the field with our Goliath? Can we be a people who just, who do foolish things like, like marching around walls for seven days? Can we be the people who just do what God tells us to do? And we're doing it because God, you said it. So I trust you. And that's how we do what we do courageously, courageously. So what's the first value of the house? We are a courageous people. Here's the second value of the house. Humility, courageous and humble. How many of you know, regrettably, this, this is one of the weakest values in church culture today, right? Especially in church leadership. Come on, celebrity pastors. Come on, guys. Ugh. I hate that culture. Can I just be really honest? Um, one, one, of, one of my uh, mentors, one of my early mentors, Mike Turner, I don't know if you're watching today, Mike. Uh, Mike used to be the missions pastor. He's given his life into world missions, and he's from Pale City, Alabama, so that's how he talks. 
just makes it more real, more genuine. One time I was driving through Pale City, Alabama, and I called Mike. It's on I-20 West, I think. And I said, hey, Mike, I think I'm in your own town. And he said, you just need to park the car, get out, kiss the ground, and thank God you're alive. (laughs) That's Mike Turner. That's Mike Turner. And he said this early on in ministry. He said, Johnson, here's something you need to remember. He said, everybody spends their whole lives trying to climb up the ladder. Jesus spent his whole earthly life climbing down the ladder. Philippians 2 verse 3. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Jesus absolutely 100% embodied humility. And, and, and we're not used to what this looks like. We're not used to this. As the God of all creation, he wrapped a towel around his waist and he washed feet. Think about it like this. Here's how I say it. Is that Jesus used his title as a towel and he washed feet. Please, please don't hear that the wrong way. Jesus, listen, Jesus did not lay his title down and wash feet. Jesus used his title to wash feet. And we don't, we don't understand that because that's not our culture. Our culture is leadership abuse. Our culture is if you have the power, you are way up there and everybody else is way down here. Jesus climbed down the ladder and as the God of all creation, he used that power, that authority, and that name as a towel to serve the people that he created. But here's what we know, okay? Titles can be really tricky. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Because titles connote honor. Titles give honor, but titles can also create distance between people and the people that they lead, right? And if we're not careful, listen, titles can also create entitlement. So, we hold titles really loosely here at Victory. Okay, it starts, it starts with us, but I want, this is the call of God on this house for us, whatever title we have, to hold it really loosely. So here, let me, some of you need to hear me say this. You don't have to call me Pastor Johnson, okay? Unless, unless you want to, unless that's the culture, unless, unless that's, that's what you feel like God's calling you to do. Um, I've tried to not call Pastor Dennis, Pastor Dennis. I can't, I just can't. I've tried, I'm sorry, I've tried. I've tried. I'm like, hey, Den and Somebody, these founding pastors of the church, okay, if you're newer to the house. Um, he will always be Pastor Dennis. He'll always be Pastor Colleen. I try. I can't do it. Why? Because they're my pastors. They're my pastors, okay? Um, we are a diverse church, young and old, from different church cultures, from different nations all over the place. So the truth is, some of us come from what I would just call low honor culture. Some of us come from really high honor culture, and some of us come from abusive honor culture, all right? Some of you, you didn't even know what your childhood pastor's first name was. You thought it was Apostle. Like, hey, Apostle Matthews, that's not his given name. Somebody just said that about him, and now he's a certificate, so now he's, okay, sorry. Get that out of my head. We believe in honor culture here, okay? But we also believe that titles are used to serve. 
okay? That's the purpose of a title. title. The greater title you have, the greater servant you are. So whatever title you have, it could be mom, dad, come on, men. Come on, some of you, you come home and you're like, dad is home, rub my feet. No, listen, when you come home, that's when the real work begins. Now you're actually putting on the hat of a servant, okay? Your title could be mom, it could be dad, it could be husband, it could be wife, it could be son, it could be daughter, it could be friend, it could be boss. Hey, come on, some of y'all are a boss, not like that, like boss, like not a boss, like some of you are a boss, but I'm talking about being a boss. Um, like you're actually a boss, like you, you sign people's paychecks, like you're over people. Um, use that title to serve instead of to be served. One of the things that sets me off, and I believe it sets heaven off, is that when people use their titles to get instead of to give. And we're, we're called to be a people that whatever title you have, use your title to serve instead of to be served. So what do Christians do? Christians take the last seat at the table. Christians take the last place in line. Christians come early and stay late. Come on, Christians. Christians um, grab an umbrella on a Sunday morning when it's raining and help other people in. Come on, instead of cutting them off and running people over in traffic to try and get the closest spot <laughs> to the front and like hop in the curb and be like, doses. Let me say this, uh, some of you are new to victory. If, if you're like, oh, great, a big church, that means I can, I can have an armor bearer and somebody can carry my Bible around and I'll be famous. You're at the wrong church. You're at the wrong church, okay? Because we hold our titles loosely. In fact, just yesterday, I love this. I love this about victory, okay? Just yesterday, we actually gave out the leader of the year award um, at, at our leaders meeting, the volunteer of the year award, the leader of the year award. And along with that award, we actually gave a prize of sorts, Okay, uh, I don't know if you know this, the leader of the year here at Victory actually has a reserve parking spot. Do you know that? Wait, I have a picture of it. It's literally the furthest, nastiest parking spot <laughs> that we have away from the building. It's across the street at the very end, the very last parking spot before you leave the Victory property. Why? Because what is on that sign? Matthew 20, 16. So the last will be first, and the first will be last. <laughs> because that's what Christians do. We serve, we're humble, just like our rabbi. Just like our rabbi. So what, what are our values here at Victory? We're courageous, we're humble. Here's the third one, we're empowering we're empowering. Um, what, one of the things we're really endeavoring, one of the things we really feel called to, by God to do here is to build an empowering culture at Victory. So we know this, the culture of the world, like I was just talking about, it's about, it's about storing up and hoarding up power and glory for yourself, right? This is social media. How many followers can I have? How many people can I have looking at me? And here, here's the reality of the, of, the, of the way that the world handles power is I can't let you lead because I need you to follow I can't, I can't empower you to be a leader because I need more followers. I can't let you go because I need you to stay. I can't develop you because if I develop you and you become really great, you might leave me and I need you to stay here for my own ego and my own power. But you know, in Genesis 1.28, God says, go and be fruitful and multiply. Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you, right? It's the opposite culture. The, the culture of the kingdom is the opposite culture from what we live in in this world. Jesus trusts us. Jesus empowers us. Jesus sends us. Uh, Paul writes this in 2 Timothy 2.2. He says, the things you, Timothy, 
have heard me, Paul, say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. In other, words, in other words, Paul is talking about four generations of disciples. Here's what he's saying. Give it away, give it away, give it away, give it away. Keep giving it, keep giving it, keep giving it. Whatever God has put on the inside of you, however God has developed you, what gifts God has given you, give it away, give it away, give it away. Be a disciple who makes more disciples. Come on, guys, whatever place or position God has given you in this world, come on, use it to see, to see other people fully alive in Christ. Use it to develop and empower and then release and propel people out into the life that God has called them to. And so the language God has given us here is that this is a house that puts ministry into the hands of the people, all right? This is why we have house churches, all right? Some of you are house churches like in South Africa and Jamaica and California, bless God. This is why one of our favorite things to do here is to lay hands on church planters and to see them go out, right? Because I cannot reach a million people, but we can we can, we can. And the question that I keep asking myself, and I think we all need to ask ourselves, am I, am I identifying and training and equipping and then propelling people out, or am I holding people down and holding people back, right, for my own selfish motives? So do the same as a boss. Empower your employees, right? Train up your employees. Oh, what if, what if they get too good and they leave? Really, that's your concern? Your employees are gonna be too good the worst case scenario is you make them better. Here's the, here's the reality, guys. Let's, let's hop over to church culture real quick. You wanna know why a lot of churches are crumbling right now? Because pastors refused to empower other leaders for decades, and now they find themselves at the place where God's saying, hey, it's time to pass the baton of your church, and they look around, and there's nobody because they created a disempowered culture where there's only one leader. Guys, as a, as a boss in, in, in the work or whatever it is, you don't know as you train and equip and develop, you may be developing your eventual replacement when God calls you to step out. You can't go wrong by investing in loving and equipping and empowering people. As a parent, don't wrap your kid in bubble wrap. Let them make mistakes while they're at home so they don't make those same mistakes when they're 20. Come on, guys. A lot of 20-year-olds are in prison because their parents wouldn't let them make mistakes at eight. And 12, empower your kids, equip them. Don't just be like, hey, go out there and do it. No, like, hey, I'm gonna walk with you. Have I see in you conversations. We, we say this, that the four most important letters in the alphabet, in the English alphabet, are I see in you. I see in you the call of God. I see in you these gifts. I see in you something special. I, I can say this with confidence, that Summer and I would not be here today if in 2002, our small group leaders hadn't sat us down and said, hey, I see in you the ability to lead this small group. At that time, that, that, was the, that was the gifts that we had. That was the greatest gifts that we had. And we didn't even think we had those. But somebody else saw something in us and called it out. And then that started gaining steam. Why? Because they did their part by empowering, by empowering, by empowering. And so we're a house that's courageous, that's humble, that's empowering. But we can only do this empowering thing when we step into the next value, which is being connected, which is being connected. All right, here's what I love about Jesus, guys. He did not sit in the temple and demand that everybody form a single foul line to come see him. He didn't just sit in heaven, right? No, he actually came down and he walked slowly through the crowd. He laughed with people. He touched the untouchable. He loved the unlovable. Come on, Jesus was all about free food. 
<laughs> Everywhere you go, Jesus is finding somebody to go do dinner at their house, right? Jesus was totally the guy. Uh, just you have grace with me. Jesus is totally the guy who would invite you out to lunch after, after, after service and be like, alligator arms. He'd be like, oh, I'm, I just, really? I didn't, I didn't. He loved it, but he's, he's gonna give you his time. He's gonna give you his face. He's gonna, you're gonna leave that place feeling loved. But he did that because he was connected. I love this. One of my favorite scriptures, Mark 3, 14. It's so subtle. It's so subtle, but here it is. Jesus appointed the 12 disciples that they might be with him. It's so subtle, guys. We try and make this thing much, much more complicated than it is. Jesus was all about proximity. Jesus was all about nearness. And we have to be a people who do life up close to people. Here's how I'd say it, is that in a digital world, we have to find ways to stay physically connected. There's way too many people who are living on Zoom right now, who are, who are, who are living on FaceTime or whatever it is, and we've forsaken real flesh and blood connections. Some of you aren't able to come in today, but here's the, here's the problem even of being in this format. Lots of times it feels like you're watching the fire through a screen, but you can't feel the warmth. God has not called us to solely be a digital people. He's called us to be a physically connected people. So we go to hospitals when babies are born. We don't just send a card. No, we go there. We go to funeral homes when mom and dad die. Come on, we sit in small groups with, with old friends and with new acquaintances. We weep with those who weep. We rejoice with those who rejoice when they get the promotion, the raise, or the ring on the finger. We are a people who do life up close with other people. And this is why Summer and I, we stand at the door after service. We got that from Pastor Dennis and Colleen. Why? Because a shepherd should smell like the sheep. We need to be a people who are close to each other. We're not disconnected. We're not just kind of swooping in and swooping out because I got to get on a plane and I got to go somewhere else. No, like, listen, we're in this thing together. And, and this whole connected thing, this is why some of you, you need to join the guest experience team to, to, to be a part of creating that culture here. And so can we put that slide up? We used this, this last week. I'm going to give it to you again. Um, we have a QR code where you can go to connectvictory.com and there's a serve page right there where you can be on the, the greeters team or the new here team creating a, a connected environment for people who are new here to the family. Uh, you, can, you can be a man in the parking lot team. Can we, get, can we give our parking lot team some props for today? <laughs> days like today. Love you guys, man. Some of you men were so glad that you weren't serving today. And you need to get on that team. Come on, be on the ushers here. Be, um, be, some of you could actually be leading small groups. Some of you have been Christians for way too long. You got way too much in you to not be leading something. And we can help to connect people here in this house and we can be a connected people too. So we're gonna pause right here and we're gonna do it. Okay, extroverts are about to love this. Okay, we're gonna take 120 seconds and we're gonna create a connected moment here in the house. So here's what I want you to do. Okay, I want you to turn to somebody that you don't know not your bae, <laughs> not your friend, not your spouse. Come on, God is watching. And I, I, I wanna give us an opportunity here. Can we put these questions up? Um, here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to that person. I want you to tell them that your name and I want you to ask them these three quick questions, okay? You're gonna have two minutes to do this, so a minute each. Don't be the person who takes all two minutes. And go. <laughs> Thank you. 
right, that's one minute. You should be transitioning that conversation. Don't take up the whole time. Let them talk too. Fifteen seconds. Ten. Five. All right, let's bring it back in. <laughs> All right, here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do, real quick. Look at the person you were just talking to and tell them your name again because I know you weren't listening the first time. <laughs> this is what happens. People say the name. It's like, poosh. Oh, Bobo. Yeah. All right. Here's the deal. Now no one can say that you don't know anybody at Victory anymore. Hey, in fact, today we are launching into small groups with online small groups and, and, and physical small groups. Uh, and so again, you're gonna have an opportunity to connect today. And so the last thing is this. Here's what I love about connection is in that place, we have the opportunity to be kind, kind. In a world where everybody's raging, where everybody's canceling, one of the best gifts that we can give people is kindness. All right, Ephesians 4, 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And I love thinking about it like this, guys, is that people left encounters with Jesus a whole lot of different ways. Because he would say what needs to be said, right? Like He wasn't backing down off of truth. So they would leave upset, they would leave sad, sometimes even leave offended. But nobody ever left an encounter with Jesus feeling unloved. So here's what I know. It's possible to say what we need to say, to do what we need to do, but to do it in love. It's possible to speak the truth in love. Listen, I know we live in a culture where, where that doesn't compute for a lot of people, but it's possible to care about people without compromising with people. And I'm not saying people will like everything you say. I'm not saying people will like everything that you do. But will they leave feeling loved? And I love this. John Watson, he has this amazing quote. It's really near to my heart. He says, be kinder than necessary because everyone is fighting some kind of battle. You never know what the person in front of you is going through, but God does. So let's slow down and let's love them the same way that the Father has loved us. And those are our values. Can we put them up here again really, really quickly? This is, this is the values that God has called us as the family here at Victory to, to be courageous, humble, 
empowering, connected, and kind. Okay, this is what we call our values check. Our values check. So here's, here's what we say it sometimes. Some of us need to check ourselves <laughs> so we don't wreck ourselves, <laughs> right? Are we courageous? Are we humble? Are we empowering? Are we connected? Are we kind, right? So let, let me say it like this. Let's keep it up here. If you're looking for a church that is weak, that backs down, that just tells everybody what they want to hear, that just kind of tickles the ear. If you're looking for a church of celebrity pastor culture, if you're looking for a church where the power is only in the hands of like one or two or three people, if you're looking for a church that doesn't know each other's names, if you're looking for a church that's bitter and hates each other, I'm sorry, you're at the wrong church. You're with the wrong people today. But if you're looking for a church that goes where God says to go and does what God says to do and says what God says to say, if you're looking for a church that uses titles as towels to serve one another, if you're looking for a church that, that empowers, that wants to see what God put in you released into the world around you, if you're looking for a church that loves each other and is connected to each other and is actually kind and lifts each other and, and, and bears one another burdens, then welcome to victory. Welcome to victory. Welcome to victory. And what you see here should be courageous, should be humble, should be empowering, should be connected, and it should be kind. And, but if you have had an experience here that doesn't line up with that, I'm sorry. I apologize. I apologize if your experience here is not being consistently courageous, humble, empowering, connected, and kind. I apologize for that. And then I turn and I invite you to help us build that culture here to be a person who's courageous, humble, empowering, connected, and kind. Help us build that here so then we can take it there. Why? Because how we live those values out will either validate or sabotage our witness in this world. So let's check ourselves so we don't wreck our witness. So let's do this, okay? Let's pause right here. And let's, let's allow God to kind of take a second and look at our hearts and see how we're doing in those areas. Let's pause. <sighs> mm. Father, I thank you that these aren't just kind of values that we pluck out of the air. These aren't just good things to do. What it is is we're kind of holding up the mirror of Jesus. And we're saying, I want to look like that. I wanna have that sort of courage. I wanna have that sort of humility. I wanna empower people like he did. I wanna be connected the way that he was. I wanna be somehow, God, could I be kind the way that Jesus was? So God, right now, we, we just kind of like open up our chest. We allow you to look at us, all of us. God, and identify the places that we're falling short. May the places that we've been weak and passive and where you've called us to step out, we're not doing it. Maybe there's some other places where we're just consumed with pride and power. God, there's others of us, we're, we're, we're so self-focused that we're not like investing in other people. Others of us, we've just kind of retreated back maybe in this last season, maybe COVID or whatever it was, and we've just kind of become little hermits, right, in our life. And maybe some of us, there's just something inside us that just won't let sleeping dogs lie. Like we, we have to constantly be in conflict 
And on the other side of us, it's not a good experience. So right now, Father, here's what we do. We repent of those things. God, we repent of all the areas that our lives aren't matching up with Jesus. That is sin. God, there could be other things like sexual morality and rebellion, gluttony, love of money, whatever it is. God, we repent for those things. We lay those things down. We turn from those things and we turn back to you. And right now, God, because of faith in Christ Jesus, I thank you, God, that your, your grace through the cross forgives us of sin. And we invite the inward working power of the Holy Spirit, God, to fuel us to live Christ-like lives, to be better image bearers, <laughs> to reflect Jesus in everything that we say and do. And I pray, God, that you would do a deep work in this house and in our houses of courage, of humility, of empowerment, being connected, being kind, so that others would see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. And we pray this right now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Come on, let's give God glory in this house today.